This is a Research in Practice podcast, supporting evidence-informed practice with children and families, young people and adults. I'm Mim and I'm from Research in Practice and today I'm joined by John George and Darren um, who are going to speak to me about their experiences of accessing their care records. At Research in Practice, all our work is underpinned um, by a triad of sources that make up evidence-informed practice. Um, and as part of that, the voice of people who've experienced services is a really important part of that. Both of these people also have experience in terms of as practitioners and in their links with research and they're going to explain that later in the podcast. So John George would you like to introduce yourself? So hi my name's John George Nicholson I'm 42 years old married I've got two children and I think they call me an expert by experience which basically means I grew up in care in the 80s and 90s. My name is Darren Coyne much like John I grew up in the care system the 70s and 80s I work in the field of um, care leavers, as it were, supporting care leavers, but also I'm care experienced myself, and I guess that's my, that's my input, uh, mainly, in today's podcast. Um, so we're delighted to speak with you both today. Um, and I guess my first question would be about, John George, can you tell me a little bit about Thinking back to when you first thought about accessing your records and how that came about. So I remember this very, very clearly. I was living in the Midlands and I was working for a bank and I was on some fraud training and I was sitting in the back watching the slides come up and then a slide came up about the Data Protection Act. And I remember seeing underneath the title that you had the right to access any personal information that was held about you. Now, I'd never considered my care experience or the records or anything like that, but suddenly that just sparked something in me and I suddenly thought, ah, there must be records about me from when I was in care. So at this time I was in my early 20s. Um, I went home, I phoned up the social services department that I had been managed by, should I say. And I spoke to a woman who said she would look into it and get back to me. And she took my details. And that was the last I heard from her. And then about three months later, I'd completely forgotten about the request. Um, I was on my way to work, literally rushing out the door and ran into the postman, signed something quickly stuffed it in my bag, the package that he gave me, ran for the bus and jumped on the bus uh, on the way to work. And that was a long bus journey, about an hour. And I suddenly remembered that I had this, this package in my bag and I opened it up. And I remember I was sitting on the top deck at the front and it was still dark outside. So it was winter pouring down with rain. And I opened up this white package and suddenly find this red A4 ring binder folder and this was my file this is my care file so i didn't have a telephone call to say it was coming just a few months later here it was and i opened it and on the first page was uh, a chronology of all my moves 
while I was in care about 15 different moves, the dates, the addresses, the people I was with. And I started reading through this file, it's got 126 pages. Um, and that was my first uh, experience with, with the file. And so obtaining the records, I, you know, I never had any grand schemes or any real hopes or expectations. It was purely, I was curious, that was it. I went to university after I le left care. And to be honest, I wanted to put my care experience at that point behind me. I didn't want people to really know that I was in care. I didn't want to engage with that time. At that time, I saw it as a very negative experience, which is very different than how I see it now. So it was easy for me to create that space where I could stuff the care experience away from me. So I didn't really think about it much. Um, it was only that trigger from the, seeing that slide for the Data Protection Act that brought that back. And even then, after I'd made the call, after a week or so, again, I'd put the care experience back, <laughs> back in that box again. So I didn't really think about it. And at that time, it was easy to switch, switch on and switch off. However, when I got the care file, that really changed a lot of that because of what, what was in there. And, and Darren, can you remember what made you first think about accessing your files? It was kind of similar, really, in that it was quite an accident. Um, I'd not talked about being in care to anyone for all about 37, 38. Completely kept it to myself. But I, I, I don't think it was shame. It might, it might, it might have been shame. I just prob probably a lack, a lack of understanding from myself as to why it was, why it happened. It was all a bit of a whirlwind. Spent a lot of time in and out of care, up and down the country. And then when you grow up, you leave care. A lot of negative experience as a young man. You start to then develop a life. And as you do so, you kind of put it behind you and move on and make positive strides in life. But I had, um, I'd been working in racial, the racial equality council and ended up getting made redundant, and then I set my own project, which was a youth project, doing some football coaching, working with young Asian and young white communities in some divided communities, trying to do some community cohesion stuff. But then the funding for that came to an end, and I find myself kind of at a loose end, and I'm really into kind of like, you know, if I see an injustice, I want to kind of do something about it, and that's kind of what motivates me in my life. And I'm sat around, and I'm looking for jobs, I'm looking for opportunities, I'm scouring the internet, you're reading the news. Me and my laptop, you know, it became like, almost like my, my therapist, as it were, because I was sat there every day all the time. But I also started to write. And as I started to write, I was just talking to my laptop and all of this stuff starts coming out, which I'd mm -hmm. kind of obviously stored away, but it'd been quite dormant. And in the process of that, looking around the internet, much like John George, I just came across this thing that said local authorities, councils, the government, otherwise keep information about you. And it never really... I don't know why I'd never sprung to mind before, but as soon as I'd seen that, I thought, well, someone's got some information about me, then that's going to be interesting. <laughs> Considering the context of what I was doing at that particular time and where I was in my life. So I thought I'd um, go about trying to make an application, and I did. Um, I have um, a criminal justice background as an ex-offender, so I wanted to know all the information that they might hold about me, but also what local authorities so. I made all these applications, subject access requests, um, and they were telling me how to fill out forms, which angered me really. I said, you know, you've got information about me and you're making me fill out a form to ask you for it. I just want to make a phone call and tell you I want it. I just want you to give it to me. I don't want to go through some bureaucratic exercise and a process 
Um, uh, so I applied for it, um, and, and and pretty much like John George, unlike John George, I'd not forgotten about it. It was in the forefront of my mind that I'd made the application, but sure. I didn't know when to expect it. And a postman turned up one day with a big brown envelope, um, and I had me signed for it. And that happened to be my care file. I opened up this brown envelope, which was um, probably about this thick, maybe six, seven hundred pages. The front of it was much like John George. It was a chronology, my date of okay. birth. And then it goes through the times that I were in care, when I weren't in care, when I went home, when I went back into care, the different places that I went to. But then I started to read through the file and there's all these... Um, what I now know to be redactions, but I never knew what the word redaction meant at the time. I just saw all these missing parts of this information and it made me angry. I was like, how very dare you, in the first instance, keep information about me from my time in your care, which, by the way, wasn't pleasant. And then when you've kept that information, put me through a bureaucratic process of having to ask you for it, and then when you finally give it to me, you're there to send it through the postman and you've decided what I can and what I can't read. You treat me like a kid in care. And it reminded me of the way they treat me when I was in care, i.e. they give you access to certain bits of information about you. And you get involved in meetings that are about you, but most of which you don't understand. And the conclusions to most of the meetings, not the conclusions that you'd come to yourself. And the file kind of almost reinforced much of those. Um, the system, the local authority, owns all this information about me. And as an adult, as a grown man, it has the permission and discretion to decide how much or how little of that information I'm entitled to. So I immediately got on the phone, of course, to the local authority, but couldn't find the right person um, to speak to. And there was nobody in the local authority. I've applied for my file a number of times since then from that one particular council. But unfortunately, you get moved around a lot as a kid in care. So I've had to, um, I've applied for. Um, filed from lots of different authorities up and down the country and got bits and bats from. And I also went to um, apply for my hospital records. Uh, my hospital records, which are very different to my GP records, gave me significantly more information than my social care file was ever going to give me because it it documents lots of abuse and neglect that I weren't even aware of in my life. The, the sense that I'm getting is that... Um, not just in terms of the kind of content and being supported in reading the files. But how far would you say that you were supported in actually understanding that process of how to get the files? Well, there wasn't any understanding on how to get the files. It was, as I say, it was an accidental discovery of mine um, online, filled out the forms, made the applications. And then once that application goes, once that form goes, you then become... Um, the subject of bureaucracy and you have to let the bureaucratic process take take fold and, and, and unfold until eventually you end up with this information. It's got a cover letter on it. My father had a cover letter on it from the council saying we've received your application, we've processed it, this is the information that you're entitled to. Talked a little bit about third-party redactions and stuff, but bear in mind, never before had I ever even considered the fact that I could apply for this information, let alone that it existed. I'd not really talked much or thought much about my care experience. And all of a sudden, I was presented with this big bundle of information and some wording on a letter that, as far as I was concerned, was just couched in legislative language, none of which I understood at the time. But it's, it's just, it, it's such a unique moment in 
in someone's life that most people don't get to experience this, that you might get sent a document or a collection of documents that is going to allow you to suddenly download your whole or a big chunk of your childhood, some of the most difficult experiences in one go, and you might have received this file, but nobody has prepared you for it. Nobody has called you up. Nobody has offered to visit you or you to visit them, possibly offered to, that you could talk to someone that's gone through the same thing, given you some do's and don'ts or, or any type of kind of that level of support, which I know has changed now in some areas, but that then you experience this moment where you start reading, and I'm sure Darren can agree, you, you start reading through these moments in your life and there are just so many pages of moments in your life that you just suddenly unleash these emotions, so many emotions at one time that you would never experience normally. You know, obvious emotions of pain and anger and sadness and, and really difficult where you definitely need, I would say, all sorts of support and preparation. Um, and when that's not there and you're left to deal with it alone, that can have some massive ramifications for people. And it's not just about support when you first access those files. It's how you engage with those files from the point of receiving them. So how I feel about the file now, 20 years on, is very different than when I first received it. And, you know, I've never, I've, the, the, the only support actually that I've ever had around the file is when I got involved in the Mirror Project. And I started to meet people like Darren and other people that had gone through this process. And it was this kind of moment of sharing experience that I'd never had before. And it was so cathartic because you'd say something and someone would go, oh, that happened to me. And I suddenly felt this kinship and this understanding that is almost like helped me process the final elements of that file. And it took 20 odd years for me to meet people to really help me. And funnily enough, it was other people, other care leavers. And it's only in the revisiting of the file that I could really start to piece together a story. Um, and you have to do a lot of work yourself, like Darren said, because there's a lot of memories in there that come from outside of the words. And so part of putting that story together is you do a lot of work yourself. And who you are is, you know, plays a big part in that. I mean, I've gone through some big changes since I got the file. You know, I have two children now, which has really it affected me again reading the file as a father. Yeah. Because because there's a divorce now since I've had my children in the sense, and you don't need children to have this. Um, but I sometimes look at that file and I see a boy, not me, and I see a, a, a different person that's going through all these things, and I can almost see it as an out as an outsider um and some of it is fascinating as a story it really is you know like i said before not many people <laughs> have a document quite like this in such detail but it is a fragmented story and it is it is a multiple versions of a story um, it's not totally me they're interpretations of me and it takes a long time to to try and find what you think is your version in there and i tell you the critical thing critical problem with the my file is there's not much of me in it as in my voice i'm pretty silent 
I may appear on a couple of pages, my actual voice, you know, word for word. And when I read those bits, they are really powerful for me because it kind of really is me talking to me and I can really unpick how I felt at that time. Most of my voice is through other people's words and they're speaking for me. And I think it's a real shame, a real shame in 126 pages that there's not more uh, of my voice. I think sometimes adults forget what it was like to be a child and to to remember what it was like to, to kind of look out into the world world of adults. You know, we kids work a lot of stuff out. They've got a lot of stuff to say. And, you know, you want to give them the chance to talk. And Despiles did not do that, unfortunately. Not Not much at all. Not much at all. And that's probably the saddest part about the file, really. I mean, it would be nice to have seen some of the reports at the time and been able to respond to those reports. I understand that social workers are in a very difficult position because you're dealing with children and how much information do you let them see and how much information do you need to keep back? I totally get that conundrum. But there can be a version of some of these reports that could have been given to me as a child to, to give my opinion on, you know? Um, and, and captured how I felt about things at the time. That would have given it more of that nuance, um, or at least some of that nuance. Um, but that, uh, sadly, that, that's missing. It's not there. I also would, 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 would add to that in terms of the reason why we want our file. You know, curiosity should be reason enough. Yes. Curiosity into you. I mean, your own life has got to be the most fascinating thing in your life, of course. So to be able to look back and reflect and ponder over the way in which different people in your life as a child perceived you and wrote about you in terms of your development and your understanding. And I know we're talking a lot here about, it, it, when, 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 often when we talk about care and growing up in care and experiences of care, we talk with a negative connotation, with the assumption that because you were in care, everything about that must be negative. Well, yeah, going into care is a negative and unique experience. Um, and people are going to care for many, many different reasons. But whilst you're in care, you do have moments of joy. You do have moments when you play. You do have moments when you have fun with your friends. I got taken off to, to Holland three times to walk the Nijmegen marches in, 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 in commemoration of, of, of things that had happened in the past. My education in terms of my social education and my development and my growth as a teenager and all of them things are joyous things. When you get your file and you read through it, as much as you recognise and you're reading lots of negatives, actually what it does is it takes your mind back to a particular place. You can see the environment, you can see the institution, you can see the faces of the children, of the adults, of the staff, of the people that were there in your life at the time. And sometimes that will give you a positive reflection of what your life was. So we should also you know, recognise and make the important point that accessing files is often and in the most part about curiosity yeah i want to know and i don't just want to know negative things i want to know the whole picture i want to know everything i want to go back and i want to remember can you tell me a little bit about did the care records themselves highlight those positive experiences or are you saying that they triggered your own memories of positive experiences yeah, I think that's an important question. No. Um, the way members of staff and the way their files were written, in my own 
my own experience, my own files, are extraordinarily negative. They speak about the negative aspects of me. They speak about the deviant parts of me. They speak about the difficult parts of me. There are parts in my file when members of staff relate me and my behaviours to the people that had abused and neglected me, um, which were the result of me going into care. Behaviours a demonstration of so-and-so um, to suggest that I turned out like the people that had been abusing me. Um, to be able to read all of that and see all of that is negative. Mm. And to be able to see the way in which, because back in the day, they would write about the way you behaved on a Saturday morning and a, sun, on, on, on a Sunday morning or a Saturday. So I've got lots and lots of um, reports in my file where a member of staff has come on duty and at the end of their shift has written down what they perceive my behaviour and how I've behaved and how I've responded to them. And then another member of staff has done the same the next day. And I've got reams and reams of that. And when you're reading through it, it takes your mind back and you can remember which members of staff and you can understand why them particular members of staff are writing in that particular way because your relationship with them would have been good or bad or indifferent or otherwise. But what that does, as you're reading all of that, if you've got the mental capacity to be able to read above and beyond that and say, okay, that's what your perspective is of me. That's not what my perspective is of me. I remember myself very different to how you're, to how you're reflecting me there. And that allows you to then start thinking about some more positive memories and putting yourself in a more positive light. So you have to have some strength of character. You have to have some resilience. You have to have the tenacity to be able to read that negative stuff and then get back up and say, no, actually, I see things in a very different way. I appreciate what you said there. And thank you for the information. It's nice to know. But me, I will interpret that very differently from my own perspective. And remember that altercation or that incident or that thing that you're talking about might not be exactly as you've just written it. And I wish I'd have known what you'd written at the time so I would have questioned it then because it was probably quite different in my mind. And what it does is it, it, it highlights the way in which sometimes the people that are looking after you in the care system make assumptions about you, um, perceive your identity and your actions very differently to how they're, they're meant to be perceived. So what I'm saying is as a child in care, your experience of it is very different to what the people that are looking after you might assume your experience in care is. And your behaviours and your challenges uh, recognise as behaviours and challenges that are sometimes given a very deviant label, whereas what they should be doing is given a very traumatised label. And then that then develops a more different response from them practitioners working with you. I hope, and I see sometimes, you know, through the work that I do, that, that the care system has changed significantly from when I was a boy. Um, and maybe trauma is recognised much more above and beyond deviant. Exactly the same for me as Darren, in that that thing about what does it capture, it is quite negative. It is highlighting the bad behaviour, well, bad behaviour, or it lacks analysis, though. It never really asks why did you, why did you scream at someone, or why did you have to be held down for an hour? Um, it captures all these very tough negative moments but it doesn't really dig much dig much deeper it's like collecting who said what said when when something happened and just just like Darren it triggers it still did trigger lots of positive memories for me that aren't in there but I found them myself based on what I was reading so it's a real a real treasure trove the file but it took a bit of time for me to get to that stage I had to go through a a more difficult stage of sifting through on the surface level, if that makes sense. Um, 
because it doesn't have a lot of those joyous moments that Darren mentions. And it doesn't, it doesn't talk about a, a great deal about how much I love football as an avid comic collector, how much I love New Jack Swing or hip hop or, you know, go, like you say, going swimming, what I like to eat, you know, these little nuances, these little moments that make up a life. They're just these big blocks of difficult blocks, lacks of nuance. That's the problem with the file for me. Um, but I've managed to find that my that myself over time, and it it takes a lot of growing up. It has taken me a lot of growing up to to find that space to engage with the file, and it has taken a lot of visits. It's funny because I knew I was going to be speaking to you today. I I started reading it again this morning. And for one of the first times, and I've never had this before, I started to see the file from the social worker's point of view. I started to imagine the social worker writing out these reports as a, as a human being. So they must, you know, they might have had a family. They're human beings. They're coming into this situation. Um, and they're probably going to do six more visits today. But they've got to write this report. So they've got to quickly capture certain information. So they might be tired. It might be late. They might be trying to do six files in the evening. So what are they able to capture? And it kind of humanizes the social worker. But this is, I've had this for 20 years and I'm only thinking about this stuff now. And it's funny, as I read one particular social worker, her report, slowly, if you start to put them all together, you start to get a little sense of who, who she is. But I've never looked through that prison before. And it was only literally this morning that I suddenly was flipping around and thinking, what are their motivations? What are they thinking? What are they feeling? But because of the distance between yourself and your social worker often, they're not like a human being, a bit like your teacher. And sadly, the file doesn't capture them as humans. You know, it would almost be nice if I knew a bit more about the social worker. They're, they're, they're so far away. They're so distant. They're behind this bureaucratic wall that they're not human. So they're not in there. You have to dig them out. 20 years later, after being involved in the Mirror Project and hearing Darren's story about accessing his files multiple times, led me to contact my authority again, um, quite recently to access my files again, just to see if something new comes up. And I've not gone through the full process yet, but even when I emailed them, the email that I got back was so human that it was, it was not a template. It was very almost casual, but still professional from someone offering to clearly, to send me the information that the form I needed to fill out, which was quite brief. Um, also with a phone number to say if I want to talk to someone, if I want someone to be there when I get the file. But there was just something in the tone of this email that I felt like I was being treated as, as a person. Yeah. And it was very open that it made such a big difference. And that's, that's very simple. That's someone writing an email. But that goes a long way, things like that. Beyond the legislation and all those other types of things, it's... it's I tell you what, in the whole, the problem about the, the care system generally is this issue around this humanity. There sometimes is a real lack of humanity and it, and it doesn't come necessarily from a bad place because we're all trying to, most people in here are trying to do their best 
So the directors of the social services, the social workers, the carers, there's a bunch of people trying, trying their best, but there are sometimes some things in the system that make that difficult, that we're actually scared to give ourselves over as human beings because that might be seen as something that can be manipulated or exposed or, and that's a real shame. And I don't know how you, how you get around that in a systems way, but on an individual level, we get to choose how we interact with people, right? Yeah. That's, that's a personal choice for, for, for people in care. For, it's difficult when you're a child, don't get me wrong, but for social workers and for people that are involved in the accessing or processing of records. for listening to this research in practice podcast we hope you've enjoyed it why not share with your colleagues and let us know your thoughts on twitter tweet us at research ip